Dr. Nancy O'Reilly's groundbreaking book, In This Together, landed on bookstore shelves with a powerful message. When we work together, we can do absolutely anything. Guidance from 40 women leaders with specific strategies to help women advance their careers makes In This Together even more relevant today, especially with the pandemic's impact on women in the workforce. Take your career to the next level with Dr. Nancy O'Reilly's In This Together, now available on audiobook. Download your copy today. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go with a group. Folks, this podcast is brought to you by the Real Leaders Impact Collaborative, our once-a-month virtual impact CEO peer groups who meet to support each other with whatever is keeping them up at night. I joined the group back in September, and if I had to say the one major takeaway that I've received is that to not let things outside business affect your on-court performance. This little change has certainly reflected in our business growth and development. And when our members do well, more lives are transformed. That's what impact is all about. So if you're interested, please email us at info at real-leaders.com. Just say the podcast sent you and you want to speak to someone about the impact collaborative. Again, that's info at real hyphen leaders.com. Enjoy the show. All right. In five, four, three, two, and one. And welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Real Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards. Joining us today, folks, is the founder, co-founder, and CEO of Bar3. Please welcome Ms. Sadie Lincoln. Sadie, thanks for being with us today. Thank you. Happy to be here. Wonderful. Well, Sadie, I think you got an incredible story. So let's start off and kick it off at the origin. Kind of bring viewers in. Where did this story all begin? Yeah, well, uh, Bar3 opened in August of 2008, and it really was a I co-founded it with my husband uh, and partner and everything at this point, uh, Chris Lincoln. And the reason we started Bar3 um, really boils down to kind of solving our own problems um, and pain points in our lives. Some of it wasn't necessarily around fitness. It was around the desire to find community uh, it was a desire to live our professional lives congruent to our core values and kind of authentic truths. And for me, it was about solving a problem that I had silently struggled with around fitness and around feeling pain in my body um, and, and from just joint pain and kind of pushing myself too hard. Um, but also, and more importantly, shame that I wasn't able to shape my body quick enough, fast enough, good enough um, into an ideal um, that I was sort of taught is attractive, worthy, winning, successful. I had, I had anchored fitness to an external measure of success uh, that brought me a lot of shame in myself. And I was curious about that because I think fitness is really good for you and can be really rewarding and enriching. Uh, 
And so we set out to try a new way to do fitness to solve that struggle. And, and so this is something, of course, that so many people deal with in their lives. It's a, it's a topic that's always talked about, you know, your self-image and how you view your own self and how this self-perception can really impact your work, your life, uh, your mental health. Uh, bring our audience into kind of, you know, this understanding, this problem that you have. And, and what was the first moment that you can think of when you and your husband decided to actually take action? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, before taking action, I needed to name it. I felt it, but I didn't really have context around it. Um, and that was like when, when I, the, this whole idea was seeded when I was pregnant with my first child, Audrey. Um, and I was starting to work out at home more, um, because I found it hard to modify moves in a group environment or at the gym, um, while my body was so rapidly changing. And it was really important to me as a first time pregnant woman to really, um, nurture my body and love on my body, uh, because I was doing something so special, creating something inside of me. And I, I started to move in a way that was intuitive to what I really needed, that was compassionate and that was rewarding. And I realized, oh my gosh, why don't we all do this all the time? You don't have to be pregnant to have this discovery. And, you know, I, I, for so long felt like I was failing fitness or there was something wrong with me. And I realized in that moment that maybe the narrative, the industry is failing all of us and that we can shift it. Um, so that was just sort of a, hmm, like, wow, aha. Um, when we decided to take, to take action. So that was, uh, two years later, because by then we had two kids, we had babies back to back and, um, we had pretty good working lives. Um, we had quote unquote, made it and that we bought a house in the Bay area. We had, you know, seemingly everything we ever wanted, but we felt really empty. And I think that goes back to the loneliness thing, like the lack of community and um, kind of spirituality in our work lives. And Chris was really, really struggling with that even more so than me. And he really was the catalyst he brought to me one day out of the blue, a spreadsheet where he had basically figured out how we could sell our house in the Bay Area and um, put that money to work to build ourselves our own lives, our own job, um, relocate. His, his original idea was to drop out for a year and not work at all and just give ourselves time to just be uh, and, and figure it out. Uh, and I think as soon as he gave us that permission, which I loved, I was like, wow, that's so like, what a great permission, right? Um, but as soon as he did that for me, something just opened up where all of a sudden I also gave myself permission to just create something that was authentic to me, because it doesn't matter if we're going to take a year off anyways, like it doesn't matter if it fails. Why not? If I kind of know what I want to do, why not just try it? So that was the catalyst for us to start our business plan. Well, it's inspiring. You know, it's like every couple's dream, right? It's like, you, we always talk about it. Like, oh, we should start a business someday or you know, we, we should do something that like we love to do, whether it's for our kids or pets or something, you know, just like a passion project. Like it's, it's something that you always covet, but only, you know, so many actually take action and only so many that take action actually, you know, become successful with it. 
when was when did the momentum start to build for bar three when when did you finally realize over a long i'm sure you know hard time of you know this this new flux of change and new locations and and this new just all these new added pressures when did when did the momentum start to build i promise you kevin that moment really? from that moment on we were in our purpose and it was so pure that i think doors just opened for us and we didn't see obstacles we saw opportunity we saw our hearts aligned with a real opportunity in front of us and we wrote the business plan we sold the house on craigslist believe it or not we moved to portland we got a rental i i i walked into our local um natural food store and up above the food store happened to be a, a studio with a ballet bar already installed that was just sitting there empty. <laughs> so I started teaching classes right away and I had to rent it. It was like 20 bucks an hour to rent the space. The name, the vision of it, the mission of it all pulled together. I wrote the instructor training manual as we were building out our first studio. Our very first class that we taught, I taught, um, I think like 12 people showed up and paid. And I was a brand new idea in Portland. No one had heard of bar. It was before bar was trending, especially here in Oregon. And it just, there was just this like amazing flow state that, that took place in that moment. And, it, uh, you know, a lot of external factors, although, you know, my fear side, as we sit here right now, I think looking towards a recession, um, it coming out of a pandemic, <laughs> um, you know, it reminds me of that moment in August of 2008. In some ways, it was during the height of the global financial crisis. People were very gun shy um, and, you know, worried about our economy. And um, none of that bothered me in that moment. None of that, it was even a, a, of the slightest concern. So, Yeah. I like how you described it as this flow state. I, I want to you know expand on that a little bit more for people out there who you know have all this pent up anxiety and uh, just nervousness and, and and fear of taking that leap. You know, for you, you may you, you trade it all to be in that flow state day in day out. Can you describe to to the folks your specific kind of flow state? How do you describe that? Yeah, I've thought a lot about it. I think the ingredients of it are important. So number one ingredient is I took the time, a lot of investigation, like that moment when I was pregnant, a lot of investigation before things started to happen. And I'm not talking external research. I'm talking, it's an inner job, right? Like inner research about my values, what matters to me, where my strengths lie. Um, where my hopes and dreams are, what pain I felt, what problems I was struggling with, what what could I learn from those feelings of doubt, the shadow side of myself? Like I really looked inside, and my husband did too. And through that, we we learned so much about ourselves. So that I think that's a really important ingredient. Um, and then we took skillful action towards something that we thought we could do in the world. So we took that knowing 
and we put it into action of doing. And yes, the doing part is more externally focused, doing a business plan, research, um, all the things that go into the good hard work of creating something, of starting something. Um, and then we let go of the outcome. That's the, that is the thing that set me free. If I was worried of the outcome, I wouldn't have taken up that dingy little ballet space and started teaching a class before I had it fully developed. Like I wouldn't have been really risky and taken like the most expensive real estate in Portland during a global financial um, crisis to start my first studio. I, I, I let go of the outcome. I let go of, of the attachment the grasping of like what this could be, how much money we will make, how successful we will be um, truly in that moment. I'm not always like this, but for whatever reason in that moment in my life, I was able to let go of all that. Mm, I love that. And, and and that's really what it is, right? It's like we're like white knuckled grasping onto this idea of this investment or this rate of return that you know, we so covet because we see other folks and other individuals that we we want, but we don't really know why. And until like, yeah, I like that. I love that concept of letting go as you and truly you're really to, I guess, pursue your calling and what, what kind of, uh, I guess, you were meant to, to do. Um, talk about the camaraderie a little bit between you, you and your husband. Obviously, that's a concern for a lot of people and people getting into business with not just their family members, but their significant other. Uh, have you found that it maybe works better uh, to do it this way? It's definitely our dance. Mm. Um, we create really well together. Um, we really do. And it's just this magic. We have what it takes to um, support each other in our unique strengths. And we're both creatives. Um, but we hold very different kind of, we go about things differently. Uh, I'm really heart-centered, very visionary. I can see things. I have a, a heightened imagination um, and intuish, intuition and faith, you know? Chris is an innovator. He's a, He is cur deeply curious about things, um, asks a lot, a lot of questions. He always gets me down, down, down to my deepest why. Um, he... Um, and then he's really, really good at taking those big kind of imaginations and vision and distilling them down to bite-sized pieces uh, that are practical. He kind of like pulls it down to earth, but also really cares about design and being different. Um, uh, and so, yeah, we're just, we're very compatible that way. Um, it's a, it's a part, it's, it is our marriage. Um, I have talked to couples where it's, that is not a good thing for them. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think, you know, all marriages can be like that, but I think all marriages can create beautiful things. You know, it's just maybe not in business. Business, it's, we ha we've had our, I mean, we call in help all the time. Right now we have an amazing executive coach, Dan Cox, who um, basically sits with us during our work meetings. So we have a third person to hold us accountable as co-founders versus a married couple. So um, it's a lot of work, but it's also, our, you know, a natural expression of our marriage. I love how it's 
your marriage. It's unique to you. And I think that's so like, it's a it's poignant. It's a really good point because people will read about entrepreneurship and think, oh, I have to be like them. I have to do this and this and this. And really that's just right there. It's unique to your own situation, your own beliefs, your own values. I'm interested to know, you talked about the vision and kind of how you think being the visionary of the organization. What is this world that Sadie Lincoln envisions? Um, yeah, in my little corner, right? I think we all have a little corner in this vast world and universe. Um, in my little corner, I think I am uniquely positioned to make a difference um, in helping shift a narrative that we're born into, especially women, but really everyone, um, that our bodies are to be kind of shaped into a certain way in order for us to be loved, to belong, to be attractive, to be worthy, to be winning, to be sexy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And what a disservice that is to us. And in my world that I imagine in the future, our daughters, our sons, our, our children are born into a world where they're taught to practice loving and remembering that their bodies are honest and beautiful and exactly as they should be in every day, in every waking moment. And that they can practice that art of just being compassionate and honest in their body through fitness. That fitness can be a vehicle um, to be honest and authentic and empowered um, versus a vehicle to change to an after picture um, that's an external measure of success in the future and doesn't exist anyways. Um, and so that's one of the ways, um, you know, in my little corner of the universe, I hope to make some change. I love it. It's uh, a big world and it's up to you to do with what you can in your little slice of it. Right. I love mm -hmm. that, that perspective that you have, um, for life and for certainly business that's very congruent. Um, you mentioned a lot about, you know, the, the pain points that a lot of females have when they're developing and, and trying to be something. Um, talk about the community aspect that you mentioned earlier. How does Bar 3 incorporate some type of uplifting community to help overcome these obstacles that so many females face? Such a good question. Community, true community, like you know, having just, I, how I always think about it is like having a board of directors for yourself in different aspects of your life, sure. right? Like a circle of people around you, for me, I'll just talk about myself. I have a circle of people around me as a, for a mother, being a mother, like my circle of mother support. Um, I have my circle of founder support and I belong to a founders kind of forum. I have a um, circle of like married couples and just like marriage support and counseling support. Um, and I have a circle of support when I walk in to teach a class or take a class at bar three, like my board of directors is whoever's around that ballet bar in the room with me, um, supporting me and being empowered and honest in my body. Um, and, you know, I know that we heal in community. We do not heal alone. And it's okay to have pain and to struggle because pain and struggling is being human. 
And I think in this world, we are taught to dismiss that, to hide it, to push away, to not let anybody see it. <laughs> and I think there is so much we can learn from being honest about our pain and our struggle. And then having that be a doorway to feeling happy again, like to the beauty state, right? There's the struggle state and there's the beauty state and both are a part of life. Um, and the struggle state can be a doorway to the beauty state if you have a circle of community around you helping you get there. And um, what I've found over and over again at bar three is that we all feel the same way. I have never, ever, ever met a client who walks through the door and doesn't have some insecurity or pain or shadow about their body, about fitness, about showing up in a group, about putting themselves out there. I hear it all the time. I hear, I'm not coordinated enough. I'm the oldest one in the room. I haven't worked out in forever. I don't have as cute of clothes. I'm, you know, so um, I'm not flexible enough. I'm not enough. Like that's what we tell ourselves. And we always feel alone in that. That's another commonality. And I think at bar three, we've really come together because everybody that works at bar, bar three talks about this stuff. Like it's the most exciting stuff in the whole wide world because we're so interested in it. Um, and we all share in it. And so like when you walk into a bar three studio, you just know you're seen and heard. If you have any of those doubts, if you have any of those struggles, so does the person at the front desk and they're willing to talk to you about it. The childcare person who's going to take your baby from you. And then the instructor is teaching the class. Um, we just have a community of um, honesty that way. And I think um, that's the, the core of our success, why we're successful. Expand on that a little bit, because uh, leaders listening to this, looking for ways to galvanize their workforce, galvanize uh, and, and build a synergy with the customers and the community. Talk about some of the things that you've learned that's really been a strategic advantage for Bar3. Yeah. I think one thing we do in business, and this is like, this is a constant practice for us at Bar3, uh, and for me personally as the co-founder and CEO, is to keep reminding myself, the reason I'm in business is to solve a problem, a human problem. That's what great entrepreneurs usually do, right? They're solving a problem that someone else hasn't solved the same way. Sure. Like often we scratch our own itch, which is what I did. So in my case, I, I go back to what do I need right now? Like, and what do my clients need right now? So go, if, if we're having a, a troublesome business year, like we are right now because of COVID and all the things that have happened to us, it's, it's kind of intoxicating to go to outside of ourselves and think, oh, maybe we should be more like that brand, or maybe we should be doing that, or we're not innovating enough, or we're not, we're not enough. It's the, it's like the after picture. We're trying to chase something that we're not. Instead of going back and asking over and over again, our clients, our people, like, what do you need right now? How can we uniquely solve your problem in this moment in history right now better? And um, for us at Bar 3, what's beautiful is that we are our own clients. We are, most of us at Bar 3 who leave Bar 3, especially in the studios, um, we were, bar three is solving a problem for us personally. And so, um, you know, that really gets us on fire when we start to think about, wow, if I'm feeling that way, like moms right now, besides marginalized communities, I really think moms are the hardest hit in the last two years. Um, wearing the hat of homeschooling mm -hmm. children, 
holding the family and the hearth together, the home together, um, caretaking, being professionals um, out in the world. Uh, I mean, young moms, especially, we are exhausted right now, right? And that's most of my team. And so just being really honest about that and taking care of each other inside the organization first um, gives us so much knowledge about how we can then take care of the people who walk through the doors. It's a tall order for, for mothers right now. And the resilience that we've seen over the past two years, and like you said, going into another recession, it's like, these are the backbone of our families and of our communities, and they need support. They need support and help with each other. Um, now, Bar 3 is a franchise model. And so what I'm curious about, Sadie, is I, I see how you're doing this at your location. How have you been able to replicate this, the quality, the standards, the values, uh, the effect in the community? in these other locations? First of all, we don't replicate it, which I love. Mm. Uh, it's in, But we all do it under the same framework, right? Um, we're under the same vision, mission, values, design standards, that kind of thing. But it, what's cool about franchising is it's a, an empowered business model. Mm. We have 176 studios. We are 100% owned and operated by women. My only outside investors um, are women who have decided to come in and put their own money into growing bar three into their community with their unique genius. Wow. And those women happen to a lot of them be mothers. <laughs> I will say across the board, they all discovered bar three and became aligned with bar three um, because it solved a deep personal problem for them. And their, and their bodies, um, in their lives, it, it lifted their confidence. And um, they want to open a studio and bring what they uniquely contribute to our company. And um, it's just so cool to see. I mean, the, diff the diversity of ex life experience that I get to watch how they take Bar 3 and, and build it into their, their communities, you know? We have owners who are, um, you know, elite athletes and got injured, taken out of the game, you know, had to like rebuild their confidence around their body and discovered bar three. And they bring that kind of athletic enthusiasm and their, their story to the table. We have owners who have, you know, five children <laughs> and have gone through that um, experience. Um, we have, you know, partners who you know, do it together. Um, you know, we just, we just have, it, and we're all over the country. So different points of view. Um, it's been, it's been neat to, um, watch all of them and their journeys, uh, owning, owning their own studios for sure. It's been a beautiful experience to witness. I'm curious to know about some of the, the learning lessons that you've taken away from a few of the others. And I like how you drew the comparison. It's not replication, it's empowerment. It's empowering the individual. First off, real quick for listeners that are interested in this, what do I need to have in order to become uh, a franchise owner? And then also, I'm curious to know a little bit about some of the uh, unique innovations that you learned from uh, maybe a few of the other entrepreneurs. Yeah. 
So what do you need to have? Um, an authentic alignment with our vision, mission, and values of our three and um, some ability to finance it. It's about, I don't know, I think it's running at like, including the build out probably 300,000 um, to start. Uh, and, um, you know, a, a desire, a growth mindset uh, to learn a lot and, and grow with something bigger than yourself. Like people franchise because they want to be a part of a bigger brand. Um, in our world, we talk more about being part of a bigger movement that the more we do this together, um, the greater chance we have of shifting a dominant narrative, uh, that is kind of our disruption and our, our reason for being, um, so that those are some of the, the, key things that I think um, help to become a, a bar three owner, but we're, we're really open to talking to anybody who's interested. Um, yeah. And in, in terms of like uh, the innovation uh, of, like, as you said, it's, it's your own studio now with the bar three philosophy, right? Mm -hmm. Have you been able to take away or have you seen any insights from a, a few of the other franchises that you admire? So many, so many. It's like, often it's the things that um, maybe seem small, but they're big. Like, I don't know, this just popped into my head. Like, I'll never forget this one owner from Tulsa, um, Brenda, saying that we were talking about the lobby and how when you walk in the studio, um, how important that part of our business is. And that arguably that's where we shape people's bodies and lives even more than the room because it's where we fight lonely. Um, and we, we also take down all those barriers that people have about kind of entering a, an exercise space. And she, she told all of us at our summit, she said, you know what, whenever anybody walks through that door, I imagine that they're walking into my home, that I've invited them into my home and they're a new neighbor. And so as soon as they walk in, you know, what do you do if you have a host, a new neighbor at your house and you're having like a dinner party, you would introduce, Hey, everybody, this is Morgan. Morgan just moved here from Cincinnati. Morgan has two kids. So do you, and you, you kind of usher that person in and, and introduce them around the table in different ways that are authentic to that person and to that moment. And so she took that kind of neighborly, um, mothering side of herself and turn it into a, a piece of how she does business. And now we all kind of think of it that way, right? And we have a system around huddling around the front desk, the front desk person, the childcare person, and the instructor. And we look down the list at not just our new clients, but our new-ish clients. So another, you know, another owner chimes in and says, yeah, but it's not only the new neighbor, it's also that neighbor that moved in maybe, you know, a month ago, but we all kind of forgot about him, right? <laughs> Right. Um, that's the loneliest neighbor because they're like, you already met me and I'm not being invited to the barbecue. Right. So the newish client who comes in, we really pay attention to them because they might be, they don't get the tour of the studio. They don't get to fill out the paperwork and all those kind of transactional moments that build relationships. So we would, you know, really like huddle around those people more. And that came from an owner sharing her truth. You know, um, I think people get caught up in what an innovation is and they have an idea that you need to be some like wizard or 
like mathematical genius or design engineer. Um, whereas I think a lot of times innovation and moving a company forward comes just from you and your heart and like how you live your life um, and integrating that into whatever problem you're solving. Isn't that fascinating though, that you know the overall purpose of the company that people are just attracted to you're able, when you're able to relate to that and i guess understand that person's core motivation that that person's core purpose and align the two that innovation just gets unlocked and the company is able to grow and grow and grow tell me about uh the vision going forward what, what is the ultimate vision for this and, and, and how are you navigating this uncertainty right now yeah i think one thing that we learned in the last two years, we've had a digital business since 2011. We've had a streaming business. Um, and fortuitously, we had replatformed it in 2019. So we were really ready for when we had to shut all of our studios. Um, so we had to, you know, close all our doors. And, and our studios are the epicenter of our business. Like that one viable thing that if you took it out of bar three, we wouldn't really have a viable product. So here we are with all of our studios having to be shut. We have a digital streaming business um, that was from the headquarters, from the company, not the, the franchisees. So that business definitely grew. Um, but what we had the fran what we invited the franchisees to do is to teach their classes on Zoom and to keep their community. And what was really beautiful that we learned in that moment is their clients chose that kind of lo-fi experience. I mean, really, truly, like talk about seeing anything on Zoom, like these instructor warriors were teaching these classes in their living rooms with like toddlers running by, right? Um, and that was okay because that's what their clients wanted and their, their clients really chose them and that experience over our premium streamed digital product with trained instructors in front of a camera, which is a different way to teach, um, that we'd honed since 2011, they chose community and their connection with their local owner and their instructors over our premium product, wow. right? So now as we move into the future, what we are tasked with is to figure out as an organization, how do we follow our client and meet her, him, they, where they are um, as a unified organization uh, into the future? And how do we continue to solve for those inflection points in their lives? Like when the really poignant ones, like being faced with um, illness, a pandemic, um, a death in the family, a miscarriage, a new birth, um, a new marriage, moving to a new town, like all these inflection points. How do we as an organization meet those people where they are in our studios? And then also the other hours are not in our studio. And how do we do that with a digital platform that is community-based versus like, I don't know, just another thing you can do, you know? throwing more fitness at them through a digital platform. Um, that doesn't really feel like us. Like, I think we're just really curious right now as a team, like how are we gonna create a, a true client journey and solve the problems that they're having right now? Um, and then how does this franchise business relate to the digital business? Right. 
And we don't have the answers. It's actually really, you know, we're kind of scratching our heads about it, but these are the moments I get the most excited about because we have a, you know, this is when good change can happen. I think being complacent is really dangerous right now. We have to, we have to change. We have to innovate and grow. And out of the franchises that are are in bar three, what ones have been the most successful in terms of acquisition? Are they go? Are they just big faces in the community? Do they have a great referral program? What what kind of strategies are, are working best for you guys right now? Really, overall, it's an inside out approach. So the owners, of course, things like having a good location, right? The the building blocks of business, like having a good location, um, pricing it right, um, adhering to core standards, like brand standards and design standards and that kind of thing. I think more importantly, though, it's um, leadership and the ability to prioritize the epicenter of our company over all the other things, um, which is teaching the Bar 3 Signature class remarkable every time. Hmm. So the owners who are the most successful are the ones who have figured out how to teach a really, really strong class that's remarkable and that people leave and talk about it and say, wow, that was really amazing. And then that's where they recruit their instructors is from those clients. Mm. They're able to attract really strong instructors, um, train and empower those instructors to see themselves in the product versus copying it. That's a really big one. Um, keep them engaged and committed. And, you know, if we teach a really good, strong class, people come back, they want it, they need it, they desire it. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, I think it's easy to go outside and think, oh, we need to do better, like sales activations. We need um, to be more disruptive in our messaging. We need to figure out the CPAs and the, all of that is important, but that's not at the core of the owner's success. You can do all that, but if you're not teaching that really good, strong class and you don't have really good people teaching it, none of that matters. You know, it's refreshing to hear, right? You know, we get bogged down with all of these terms and CAC to LTV and, and marketing yeah. and you gotta, you know, use these type of ads or have this type of branding or do this. But really what I'm hearing for you is coming down to can someone see themselves within the broader movement? And yeah. if, if we're able to connect the dots there, the thing will run itself. And that's autonomy and that's empowerment. So to you, Seti Lincoln, let's bring this home. What is your definition of a real leader? A real leader. So I think of the word real as being authentic. And I think it's that too, it's the two sides. It's a practice of being authentic, a practice of looking inside, being honest about core values, your unique genius, your little corner of the world and how you're gonna impact it. And then putting that practice in action um, skillfully motivated by that, what you discovered in that practice of authenticity, right? A practice of looking inside and then doing 
doing your doing you um, in a productive, impactful way in your little corner of the globe. For Sadie Lincoln, I'm Kevin Edwards asking you to go out there, be authentic in your little corner in the globe, and always, folks, keep it real. Thank you, Sadie. Thank you.